Wonderful. Good morning. Good morning. It is good to see you. This morning we are, as Luke said, we're carrying on in our preaching series in Ephesians. And we are going to be looking at today Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 to 10. So if you've got a Bible, uh, feel free to to turn there. Uh, The words will come up on the screen behind me. Um, But just before we do that, I'd love us to pray, because I need help, and you probably need help listening to me as well. Uh, Father, we, Lord, we do just invite you by your spirit. We're not, (laughs) this isn't uh, 15, 20 minutes to switch off, Lord, this is, this is worship, Lord. We want to switch on and and hear what your word says to us, Lord, your word feeds us. It is our bread, Uh, it is our sustenance. So, Father, I just pray Uh, Lord, would you help me communicate your words really clearly? Uh, Would we see you all the more clearly and enjoy you all the more as a result of looking at your word together? I pray, Lord Jesus, come and help us by your spirit. Amen. Amen. Well, if you've been with us over the last couple of weeks, you'll know that we have come all the way to um, Ephesians chapter 2. The first couple of you know, Ephesians is a rich, dense book full of you know, scriptures, the word of God, absolutely, amen. But um, there's so much wonderful truth, which is encouraging for us to read in this book. And the first chapters particularly just talk about the rich blessings that we've received as a result of him saving us. They talk about um, what he's done for us. It talks about us being adopted as children, being brought into his family, chosen before the foundation of the world, staggering stuff. And then it talks about, you know, Paul prays for the Ephesians. Sam uh, Tucker, who preached last week, uh, reminded us of the verses, those verses in the second half of chapter one where the Apostle Paul prays that the Ephesian church would know these truths, but more than that, know him who blessed them. You know, know the blessings, yes, but know the blesser, the one who blesses us. And then Paul, the Apostle, comes to this chapter, chapter two, and he says, as if you haven't heard enough of the glory of the gospel that you've been brought into, if you know Jesus and love Jesus, he says, now I want to show you something more. I want to show you the motivations of the heart of God that, that are to save you. I want to show you what your place was like and how you were before you came to faith and how God is in dealing with us, in bringing us close. So that's what we're going to do this morning. Um, And uh, hopefully you've found your way to Ephesians chapter 2, but we're going to read those verses together now. Um, And it says this, And you were dead, verse 1, and you were dead, in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived, in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. 
For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not, this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus, for good works which God prepared beforehand, that we should walk in them. What beautiful, encouraging reminders from Scripture about what he has done for us. And so this morning we're going to look at um, what we were like before Jesus saved us. Paul paints a very clear picture. We'll see that in a moment. We're going to look at why he chose to save us, the motivation of his heart to richly bless us. And we're going to look at uh, how we don't get saved. Uh, Paul visits that question, how we don't get saved. Um, But first we'll start where Paul starts. And where does he start? He says, and you were dead. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked. I I was reminded as I was preparing this sermon of the film Shaun of the Dead. I don't know how many of us have come across that film. Uh, It's a comedy. It's got the great Simon Pegg uh, actor in it. Um, And... uh, it's not recent, it's 2004, I think. I've only watched it once. I actually like watching, if I like the film, I'll watch it more than once. That's no disrespect to um, the film, Shaun of the Dead, Simon Pegg, if you're listening. Uh, <laughs> um, but I, it reminded me of a moment where Simon Pegg and his friends um, in the film prepare to go into the town. Uh, and the, the, the towns are now infested with uh, zombies, living dead people. And, um, and before they go into the town, they're in one of their gardens and they're kind of psyching each other up, preparing themselves to go out into the town where they're going to encounter, they've got to go into the town um, and they're going to encounter all of these living dead people. And so one of them uh, kind of says, okay, well, you know, this is what we've got to do. You, you, before we go out, we've got to really nail, um, really grow in expertise what it looks to, to look and sound like a zombie. And so they, they practice variations of groaning. Uh, they practice walking like a six-month-old who's <laughs> just about getting there, staggering along. And um, they perfect what it looks like to, to look like zombies, like living dead people. Now, you might think, Phil, where on earth are you going with this? <laughs> the, point, the point is, Paul says, you know, you weren't, you didn't just occasionally fall into imitating living dead people. You didn't occasionally fall into looking like that, um, but, but actually, you know, you just slipped into that. You know, really, you were alive. Paul says, no, you know, you were them. You, you were them. Paul's drawing attention, the Apostle Paul in these verses, he's drawing attention to our spiritual state before Jesus reached into our lives to save us, to save us, that we were dead in our sins. Um, I work in prison and um, I've shared that it's a, it's a wonderful place to work for preaching analogies um, and uh, as you can imagine working in prison you're quite um, confronted every day with perhaps the extremes of what sinfulness looks like at, you know, at, the, at its most extreme degree and so I see greed at the expense of exploiting vulnerable people. I see lustfulness to the extent that it ruins lives of innocent women and children, predominantly. 
and sexual offences. I see the uncontrollable anger that grows into such a point where it robs people of life itself. And you might think, oh, Phil, that's a bit, that's a bit much. You know, I'm not that bad. I'm not that guy. And uh, you know, whilst most of us are probably relieved that <laughs> you're not that guy here this morning, you know, maybe you are. Um, if you are, you're very welcome. Um, but the Bible tells us that we were made for relationship with God. We're made for, for living in wonderful, beautiful relationship with the creator of the heavens and the earth, the maker of the stars, that he also loves us and created us to be in relationship with him. But because he is loving, he gave us choice. And in our choice, we chose to reject him. We chose to reject God and his good, uh, his, his, his good, his good rule, his good love, his good um, authority. And we chose to seek pleasure in and of ourselves, in and of everything other than him, everything created. And so whilst you might not think, you know, I've, uh, I, don't, I don't look like the people you come into contact with in prison, Phil. Actually, I'm sure we could probably all relate to occasionally getting angry unjustifiably. I'm sure we could probably all relate to being selfish sometimes. I'm sure we could probably all relate to what it is to be angry or to, to, you know, to think of ourselves as superior or better than another, uh, to be pride or, or to be proud or, or envious of someone else or to be violent in our hearts, in our actions or just in our thoughts. Jesus said that actually if, if you've lusted in your heart, you've committed adultery. Jesus said that actually if you've been angry towards a person, you've already committed murder in your heart. And I think, you know, all of a sudden it starts to sound a little bit more like what you and me are a little bit like sometimes. And so Paul says you're dead. Because of, your, because of you being out of relationship with the, the loving life giver, outside of the source of life, you're, you're dead. And you're dead in sinfulness. You'll be relieved to know there's good news coming. So that's our position. That's what we were like. That is what we were like. If you're a Christian and you've been a Christian for a long time, you were dead before you came to know Jesus. Verse four, but God, hallelujah. Hallelujah for this, this verse, which is good news to me and you. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he has loved us, even when we were dead in our sins, made us alive together with Christ. What is mercy? Mercy is that you were Given mercy is sorry, I'm talking about grace. Mercy is that you were spared what you deserve. Mercy is that you you deserved punishment, but you were spared it because of his kindness. That's his mercy. And he is rich, he's rich, he's overflowing in it. I don't know if you've come across this book, uh, Gentle and Lowly by Dane Ortland. If you don't have it, buy it. It's filled with wonderful truth about Scripture, about the heart of God towards us. And in it, Dane Ortland's talking about these specific verses. He says, Ephesians 2 verse 4 says, God being rich in mercy, being, not becoming. Do you get that? Being, not becoming. He is. A statement like that is taking us into the inner recesses of the Creator. 
into heaven's holy of holies behind the inner veil, disclosing to us the animating center of God's very being and nature. He is the spring of all mercy. It is natural to him. It is his nature and disposition because when he shows mercy, he does it with all his heart. That's why it says in Micah 7 verse 18, he delights in mercy. It should encourage you. We come to one who overflows in mercy. His disposition towards us is, I want to overflow in mercy to you who are dead. And we'll see what happens as a moment as a result of the mercy that he, he lavishes upon us. But why is he moved to be merciful? Because it is the deepest part of who he is. And as the verse goes on, it says, because of the great love with which he loved us. Do you know that you're loved this morning? You are loved this morning. If this is your first time in church and you've not heard the gospel before, the Lord loves you. Yes, you're dead in your sin, but Jesus loves you. His disposition towards us isn't stingy or, or, or angry or moody. It's love. It's an overflow of, I love you. I love you and I want to show you mercy. That is, that is his disposition. I want to show you mercy. Amazing. Because of the great love with which he loved us. So, he goes on. So, he has made us alive together with Christ. Praise God. We're no longer dead. If you put your trust in Jesus, he makes you alive together with Christ. This is good news. If you're familiar with the Old Testament, you might have read Ezekiel. It's a, he's a major prophet in the Old Testament. The, kind of the first half of the Bible. In Ezekiel chapter 37, there's an there's a image where... Um, the Lord takes Ezekiel to, in a vision to a, to a valley of dry, desolate, barren land with bones, just bones, nothing, just bones. And God says to Ezekiel, prophesy to the bones that flesh would come upon them, that breath gets breathed into them. And there's this beautiful, glorious image where just, just a desolate place, just with bones, skeleton bones, is made as the, you know, the bones come together, uh, sinews and muscles form skeletons and, 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 and flesh comes upon them and God breathes life into this, this arid, dry place filled with bones and, and, a, and an army is raised up. He breathes life into us. Isn't that wonderful? He breathes life into us. He makes us alive together with Christ. You might be familiar with, um, if you've watched The Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe, Narnia. If you've watched Narnia, you'll remember there's a scene where Aslan breathes, Aslan the lion breathes onto uh, the, the stone statues that have come under the spell of the witch. And he breathes on them and, 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 they, and they melt and they come alive again. He's made us alive, friends. Jesus has made us alive. He has made us alive together with Christ. Beautiful news. And Paul goes on. He says, by grace you've been saved. What is grace? Grace is that you were given what you don't deserve. So mercy is that you were spared for something that you do deserve. And grace is something that you were given and you don't deserve it. By grace you've been saved. Not only that, but you've been raised up with him and seated with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. And he goes on so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches in his grace, in kindness towards you in Christ Jesus. So that if you've received mercy, 
You can no more be pulled out of heaven and out of your salvation, out of him, than he be taken out of heaven and put back in the grave. You've you've received mercy and been saved by grace and seated with Christ so that for all eternity, for the rest of eternity, his disposition is to reveal and demonstrate and show you his immeasurable, eternal kindness. This isn't a CD or or a tape player on on repeat. It's not a song list on repeat. This is the unending, unsearchable, glorious riches of his kindness for all eternity. And that's what he wants to do, to demonstrate and show you that forever. That's remarkable. And all we deserved was death. That's remarkable. Friends, this is the gospel. This is the gospel. And so we've seen what he has done for us. We've seen his motivation to save us. We've seen how this has happened for us. But Paul, anticipating the traps that we all so often so easily fall into, says, well, let me tell you how you don't receive the gospel. Let me tell you how it doesn't work. And he says in verses eight and nine, and this is not your own doing. It's a gift of God so that no one may boast. Not a result of work so that no one may boast. We so often fall into this trap, don't we? It is like us as humans to go, well, if I'm supposed to, if if, if I'm supposed to receive your praise and your honour, if you're going to like me, I've got to do something for you to like me. If if I'm going to succeed in life, I've got to do things which are noteworthy and, and praiseworthy. It's not so with him. Allow that to sink in for a moment. You don't do anything to qualify yourself for him to love you. You don't do anything. You do nothing to qualify for his loving kindness to to overflow for you, towards you. You do nothing. You do nothing. It is his mercy and kindness which overflows from him that means you can be saved. Nothing that we do or say can change the way he feels towards us. He chose us when we were dead. Not when we were alive, not when we had done this and that. He chose us when we were dead in our sins. We contribute nothing to his deciding to lavish his grace and kindness on us. That is all him. I was chatting with, um, with, uh, with, uh, with a guy that I've known in prison for a number of years. Um, he's, he's, he's been in, in and out of prison for a long time. And um, wonderfully, I got to, I've, I've had the joy of being able to share Jesus with him before, tell him about my faith and the kindness of God. And I had another moment this week to talk to him about the gospel. So it's precious, precious moments. And I shared a bit of my testimony with him and I said, you know, this is my story too. I was, I was, I was dead. I was, I was filled with lust. That was the sick state of my heart, you know, looking at women as objects. I was filled with anger in my heart. That's the way I was. I was filled with anger in my heart. You know, you might have come across me as a teenager and thought, Phil, you're just a delightful, delightful young man. Inside I, was, inside I wasn't. Inside I was angry. I would daydream about, about hurting my father because, you know, because daydreaming about how he might 
mistreat my mum. He never mistreated my mum. I had a great dad. But in my heart, I was sick. I was angry. I was, I was, I was, I was, I was sinful. And I don't think, you know, whilst you might not be the same as me, I think we can all probably put our hands up and say, I'm, I'm, I'm a bit messed up in, in a number of ways. As I was sharing this with him, he said, Phil, I felt a bit silly actually, because he said, Phil, you know, whilst you've told me that you were violent and you're angry and, you, you know, you, all of this, I, I've done stuff that I don't think I want to tell you about. He said, I, I, I've done stuff that if I told my mum, I don't think, I don't know if she'd love me anymore. I thought, oh, yeah. And so he said, I, I don't know if I can do enough to be saved. I was telling him about how he could come to know Jesus. I don't think I can do enough. I said, you've not understood the gospel. The gospel is that you, we, ne- we never, ever, ever deserve to be saved, to, to enjoy his kindness. But he loves us anyway. Absolutely staggering. Absolutely incredible. And so, as Paul says, he says, for we are, uh, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God has prepared beforehand that we should walk, work in, walk in them. These works aren't a result of us trying any harder to to, to really just secure our salvation. These works aren't anything to do with that now. These works are, these works are result of, a result of worship. My being kind to others and welcoming others and showing mercy and, and, and grace and patience and, and love towards others is nothing to do with me trying to secure my salvation. It's nothing to do with that. It's an act of worship to God because I'm grateful that he saved me and I don't deserve it. This is the beauty of people say, I'll do your good deed for the day. That's not to help me find favour in his sight. I don't find favour in his sight. He loves me anyway. I, I do works because I overflow in worship to him. I, I, I want to honour him. And not only that, but I also want to demonstrate the kindness of God, the love of God to people who don't know Jesus. So that they would go, wow, you know, why are you behaving? Why are you kind? Why are you being kind to me? Why are you, why are you even entertaining my presence? You know, there are, we get to do good works, not to secure salvation, but to honour and glorify him and point people to Jesus because he has been merciful to us. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us in heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the coming ages, in his wonderful love and mercy, he will show us for all of eternity his goodness. That sounds good to me, doesn't it? If you need to receive mercy this morning, if you need to know afresh that actually your salvation has nothing to do with the way you behave, really doesn't, it has everything to do with Jesus, then we're going to take communion in a moment. And um, I'd love to just take this opportunity to say if if, if this is a bit of a, if you've never heard this kind of gospel before, the gospel, the truth about what God's heart is for you, I would love to pray for you. Uh, pray with the person you came with. Um, but this is a time where, friends, we get to rejoice. This is a rejoicing moment because we've found, we've found love and acceptance from him and we don't deserve it. So we're going to, why don't you stand if you're able? Uh, we're going to take 
communion. Why don't we feel free to, to come down um, and uh, we're going to share communion. Why don't you pray with the people that you've come with and celebrate his goodness together.